Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we continue our Sunday sermon series on miracles. With the second message in this series entitled The Seventh Hour, here's lead pastor Rex Johnson. Are you ready for a miracle? Are you ready for a miracle? You know, it's more than just a song in a movie. Are you ready for a miracle in your life? Are you really ready to see God do something phenomenal in your life? Do you know this month God can produce things in your life because of faith that absolutely would startle you? And it'll make you absolutely become the believer in Him that you have never been in your life. There's no sense, there is absolutely no sense, I've used absolutely three times in 45 seconds, that means I'm, I'm serious today. There is no sense in you struggling with life when you're doing all you can, but have a God that can fix you on the backside greater than you've ever imagined in your life. Amen? Amen? This is a great month, it's a great time. We are, we're discussing miracles this month, and We're not trying to hype anybody. It's not about hype. It's about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It's about the hope we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus said it, I believe it, and that settles it. If he said it, I believe it. It does not matter what people are saying about the Bible and taking the Bible away and taking the miracles out of the Word of God. It doesn't matter. Jesus said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Amen. I'm going to talk to you about the seventh hour. Everybody say the seventh hour. Now, if it's Roman time, that's seven in the morning. If it's Hebrew time, that's one in the afternoon. But it does not matter what the clock says. What the clock says does not matter. It's when Jesus speaks is what matters. And we're going to talk about the seventh hour today. From John chapter 4, fairly long scripture reading, forgive me. It's on the screen. Now, after two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee. Watch this. Where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum, 22 miles away. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea in Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said, unless you people, he was not talking just to the nobleman, you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. You know, light travels at 186,000 miles per second. But Jesus' word is instant. There's There's no travel time.
Your son lives, and he himself believed in his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had came out of Judah, had come out of Judah in Galilee. The second miracle of Jesus Christ, the healing of the nobleman's son. Back in 1555 in Geneva, Switzerland, there was a French printer and a scholar named Robert Esting. And he had a bright idea of adding numbers to the Bible to create chapters and verses. So the next time you go quoting a verse like John 3.16, you owe it to Esteen's Bible. The first Bible to help us find an address for what we were looking for in the Word of God. The Bible I'm referencing is one of the two that Thomas Jefferson had in his collection. The other Bible is known as the Jefferson Bible and had some unusual characteristics in it. Jefferson appreciated the teachings of Jesus But he was also a student of what they called enlightenment. And for him, knowledge and reason always came first. Hear this. Many of us are tempted to believe as Jefferson did. But when you do believe that, just knowledge and reason, you lose the mystery and the miracles of what God wants to do in your life. You can try to reduce God to a logical constraint of your left brain, And you can try to create God in your own image. But when you do, you end up with a God, lowercase g, little g, that looks an awful lot like you, talks like you, thinks like you, and acts like you. Sort of a mirror image of yourself. In the words of A.W. Tozer, what you end up with is a God who can never surprise you, never astonish you, never overwhelm you, and never heal you and transcend you. And I might add, a God that will never do a miracle in your life. That's not the Bible that I believe in today. And that's not the God of the Bible that I'm holding in my hand today. I believe in a God in this Bible who is high and exalted. I believe in a God who is omnipotent, omnipotent and omniscient. I believe in a God who exists outside the four dimensions of space-time that he created. I believe in a God who made laws and can break the laws of nature. I believe in the God of miracles in my life. I believe in a God who can make the sun stand still and can part rivers. I believe in a God who can create the cosmos with three words when he said, let there be. I believe in a God who can turn water into wine and heal a man born blind. I believe in a God who can raise a man that's been dead for four days. I believe in a resurrector who overcomes death and brings the dead to life. Now back to Jefferson. It's boring now. February of 1804, Jefferson went to work with a pair of scissors to create an abridged version of the Bible, minus all the miracles. He included the teachings of Jesus, but excluded the miracles of Jesus. He deleted the virgin birth. He deleted the resurrection. And 34, count them, distinct recorded miracles that Jesus did in between. In the words of historian Edward Gustad, if a moral lesson was embedded in a miracle... The lesson survived in the Jeffersonian scripture, but the miracle did not survive. 
Stay with me. Even when and if this took careful cutting with the scissors to save the message but not the miracle. Now when Jefferson got to John's gospel, Gustad said he kept his blade very busy. Because Jefferson's version of the gospel ends with the stone rolled in front of the tomb. Jesus died on the cross, but he never rose from the dead. That's hard for some of you to imagine. How can you take a pair of scissors to the sacred text of Scripture? Part of us, part of us says you can't do that, but I'm afraid some of us in our mind do the same thing. What promises have we stopped claiming in our life? What miracles are you not believing God for anymore? When did you take the scissors to God's word and cut and paste and pick and choose? We rationalize the verses that are too radical and we scrub down the verses that are too supernatural and we put scripture on a chopping block of human logic. We end up with this, a neutered gospel. God forgive America today. When you subtract the miracles like Jefferson did, what you're left with is the wise yet weak Jesus, kind and compassionate but lacking raw power. And when you cut out the miracles, you cut out Jesus at the knees. And I think that's the Jesus many people follow. Or maybe I should say that's the Jesus many people invite to follow them. That's not a genuine Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the gospel. Here is my point. If you follow Jesus long enough and far enough, you're going to experience the miraculous in your life. Clap your hands real big. We're going to see some things today in the name of the Lord. Okay, the Lord imprompted me and, and, and gave me a, an impromptu thought about three weeks ago, said, I want, I want you to preach on my miracles. I want miracles to be in my house. I want to have miracles working at Christian Life Church. I do believe that you still believe that I'm a miraculous God, son, and I want you to preach the miracles that I can do for people. And last Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, right here when Pastor our evangelist Jonathan Suber, a missionary Jonathan Suber was teaching. A young lady came up to me. She has a baby in her and she had gone to the doctor and the doctor said the baby is dead. She'll be here in second service. Said, I want you to come in Monday. We're gonna take the child. There is no heartbeat in your womb. I said, get in that line right there. We're gonna have prayer for this. She got in the line but didn't get in the line, stood beside the line, and Pastor Suber missed her on his way by. And a young man came up, and she said, do you pray? And he said, I do pray. She said, would you pray for me? I want my baby to live. <laughs> he prayed, and then he said, please go to the doctor tomorrow because the Lord is going to do something great in your life. She went to the doctor on Monday, came back here on Wednesday, hopping down the middle aisle, said, my baby is alive. My baby has a heartbeat. My baby is doing okay. My baby's gonna be born. 
We're not trying to hype somebody. We're just telling you that God said, don't take the scissors to the Bible on me. I'm still the healer, and the healer is still in the house. I'm going to brag on him today. I'm going to brag on him real big today. It's not a preacher. It's him. It's not a church. It's him. I'm going to brag on him real big today. So you say, well, that's just a story. Well, I got another one for you. They're in church right now. Jose, where are you sitting, brother? Where you at? There you Stand up, Jose. Jose and his wife. Stand up, sweet Alejandra. Stand up. Stand up, Alejandra. You see that little swelling in her stomach? You see that? Anybody see that? May the 31st. May the 31st, Mitch concluded a spiritual session that we had done three weeks on about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Ghost operating in church. Keep standing, guys. And during that service, Jose's wife, Alejandra, had received a word from the doctor, the baby is dead. Go to a specialist. She went to the specialist. The specialist said, the baby is dead. Set up a time for the next Tuesday to come in so they could take the baby out of her womb. But something happened in between. Brother Mitch preached that day about the Holy Spirit doing great things in our lives. And Brother Jose found him and said, Mitch, would you just bless my wife and I? This baby is, does, have a heart, does not have a heartbeat. We need God to help. Brother Mitch laid hands on her, prayed for her, went to the doctor, the specialist on Tuesday. The heart is beating just like that. Not hype. Not hype. The Holy Ghost has spoken to this pastor and said there is something being birthed on earth that hell and unbelief has tried to abort, but the miracle of life's heart is beating again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need a faith that can conceive the invisible. We need a faith that can believe the incredible. We need a faith that can receive the impossible. That's what we need in our lives and in our families and in our city and in our church and in our country. We need a faith that can do that. Elephants and circuses are held by 18-inch stakes driven into the ground. Stakes that a man can easily pull up when moving the elephant. However, the reason the elephant cannot lift the stake from the ground is because since a baby they have been chained to the ground by, some, by the same stake. And when they're young, their mind gets a concept, I cannot move this impediment. And once it's in their head, they're victims of the stakes forever. 
Somewhere in your life, maybe somebody told you that God's miracles are over. That it's nothing more than biblical references that we can draw messages and meanings from. But I will tell you, if he opened a jailhouse door in Acts 12, if he raised a dead man from the grave in John 11, hallelujah, if a, bl- if a lame man was healed in Acts chapter 3 that sat at the gate since his birth, there is a God in heaven that still is in the miracle business in your life today. Last week we looked at the first miracle in John's gospel. Evangelist Jonathan Suber talked about God's authority at the molecular level. We talked about the fact that unconscious water looked up at its creator and blushed. And that was his first miracle. Today I want to talk about his second miracle. It's a story about a man who learned how to have faith. I'm going to teach you a faith principle here today. Then we're going to pray for people again today. Just by faith, he went from darkness to light. He went from blindness to sight. He went from weakness to might. Yes, I'm a poet. And he went from wrong to right. With just three words. Are you ready? Lord, I believe. His life was totally transformed. I love how this story starts. So Jesus came to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. He came back there because he was not honored in his own country and among his own people. So he came back to Cana thinking, you know what, I did something here. Maybe somebody will come up to me and I can do something for them today. I think Jesus wants to do stuff for us more than we want him to do for us. I think he's in the doing business like never before. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum, 22 miles away. But when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. I want to give you three steps to a miracle today. Step number one, the nobleman came to Jesus. I could preach on that for 45 minutes but I won't I am so tired of people trying everything else before they try Jesus and Jesus becomes the last resort in their life I'm here to tell you if Jesus says no then you go try other methods but until Jesus says no you stand on holy ground and you lift your voice and say I'm coming to you again I'm like the woman with the the importunate widow that had an unjust judge. She knocked every day. She knocked every day. Said, avenge me of my adversaries. And the Bible said, though he was not a righteous man, and though he did not want that woman around him, he avenged her of her adversaries because she was impetuous toward him and she would not stop knocking. Here's what I want to tell you. The miracles are not ceased last Sunday. God is still in the miracle business today. Come on. You didn't get what you wanted last Sunday. You got to come to Jesus again today. My, 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 my. He was a nobleman. 
The word comes from a Greek word which gives us word kingdom, which literally means he was a king's man. He had money. He had influence in the highest places, but he had a problem. He had a son at the point of death. I'm sure he spared no expense because money can keep poverty from your door, but it can't keep problems out of your life. The Norman learned that there are some things that money can't buy. Money can take you almost anywhere except to heaven and buy you almost anything except eternal life. And if this man had not known grief, he may never have known grace. And if he had not experienced tragedy, he might have never experienced triumph in his life. So when trouble comes our way, we will get bitter toward God and ask the question, why did God allow this trouble to come in my life? But I believe at any time trouble is brought into your life, hear me now, one purpose is that it might bring you closer to God. Are you with me? I learned about a lady. She's an older lady who was on a hospital bed, deathly ill. And her doctor came in and said, Mrs. Smith, I've done all I can do. Now you're just going to have to trust the Lord. And she said, dear God, am I that sick? <laughs> it doesn't matter how sick you are. It doesn't matter how bad you need it. But I will tell you, anything that drives you closer to Jesus Christ is not a curse. It is a blessing. Whether it be the premature death of a child, whether it be the loss of a job, the desertion of a spouse, or some kind of disease in your body, anything that drives you to Jesus is a blessing. Because if you're going to have your miracle met, the first thing you have to do is come into the presence of Jesus Christ. And you know how you come into his presence? With praise and with thanksgiving. Come on, clap your hands real big. Praise him real big. Let God be the God of your life right now. I love what Jesus said. Be healed in the name of the Lord, lady. Be healed in the name of the Lord. Be healed in the name of the Lord. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. There's miracles in this house. Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will no means believe. He was not talking to that man particularly. He was talking to the people that had come there. The nobleman, number two, had to overcome obstacles. You've got to overcome obstacles in your life. A Seraphonician woman came to Jesus at Tyre and Sidon. The only time he ever went to Tyre and Sidon, she came to him. She said, I have a daughter grievously vexed of a devil. And the Bible said, he said, Jesus said, it's not meat to give the children's bread to dogs. I have not come but to the household of Israel. I cannot bless you. And she looked back at him and said, that's the truth, Lord. Isn't it amazing that when people want God, you can't insult them? But when people mess around with God, they'll leave insulted from church. I don't care how freakish it looks today, how, how ugly you get today. It does not matter. If you have a need, I have a God. And it doesn't matter how big the obstacle is. It doesn't matter what you have to crawl over to get to that God. If you want something in your home today, if you want your marriage healed today, if you want to get rid of alcoholism today, if you want to get rid of a drug scene today, if you want to get rid of illicit living today, if you want to get past cancer today, if you want to get past heart disease today, if you want to get past all kinds of diseases today, I'm telling you, 
get out of my way. I'm going to get to Jesus today. I'm going to get past your unbelief. I'm going to get past the failure. I'm going to get to Jesus today. I've got to get in his presence. I've got to get in his presence. I've got to get in his presence. He overcame obstacles. Jesus didn't do what this man wanted him to do. He didn't do it the way he wanted him to do it. He evidently thought that Jesus had this certain healing range. That he had to get close enough to do it. What he didn't understand is that Jesus' distance makes no difference. His power is not limited by time or space. This is the power of the second miracle. God is not restricted. I don't know where he is right now. I do know he's in this house, but he's in a lot of houses today. But I don't know where he's residing, what throne he's sitting on, and where exactly it is. But I will tell you this right now, that he is not constrained by time, and he's not constrained by space. He is the God of longitude, and he's the God of latitude. He can handle anything around this world. He can touch you. He can touch a missionary right now. He can heal Edna Mitkoff in her home. He can heal her on the way to church. He can touch people wherever you are today. There is no range that God can't reach. There is no place that God can't permeate. There is no space that God can't fill. In fact, I feel like doing something right now. You need a miracle in your life, stand up. In Jesus' name, be healed right now. In Jesus' name, be delivered right now. In Jesus' name, let victory come right now. In Jesus' name, let that job be created right now. In Jesus' name, go forth and heal and multiply and save and deliver and bless families in this house. Come on, receive it, receive it. You may be seated. It's not hype, it's hope. It's not hype, it's hope. The third thing he did, he took Jesus at his word. Boy, it's so simple. He came to Jesus. He overcame people around him that were looking for signs and wonders. And he took Jesus at his word. Man, that's simple. Pastor, I thought you were going to preach something deep. No, not today. That's it right there. That's it. That's all I got. He took Jesus at his word. Jesus said, go on. Go on. Almost like get out of here. Your son is healed. Hmm. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to create some kind of making fun of, but it don't have to be in a showy manner. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to decrease the more this service goes on because he's the one that has to increase. It's not about a preacher pumping your faith up. It's about you believing that God can do when you come to him, when you overcome obstacles, and you take him at his word. You take him at his word. Evidently, the man didn't go directly home. 
He didn't run out of the building saying, wow, I got to get home, see if everything happened right at home. He must have hung around Cana. He had some business to do. Because when he got ready to go home, it was just a five-hour walk, just a two-hour chariot ride. But when he did decide to go home, he met a servant at the fork in the road. And the servant said, oh, have you heard? He said, what? He said, your son is healed. Your son is all right. And he said, when did it happen? He said, at the seventh hour yesterday. You don't have to panic. You don't have to have a panic button. When Jesus speaks, the calm comes in your life. When Jesus talks to you, the storm is abated. When Jesus steps on your boat, everything's going to be all right. Go take care of your business. Go do what you have to do. I've got you on this end, and I'm going to take care of what I told you I would take care of. Wow. It's miracle time. It's miracle time. It's miracle time. I was laying in my bed when I was 32 years of age with blood clot in my left leg that the doctor said if I moved would not be good. I had begged to go home. I had spent three days in the hospital and I'd begged to go home and I was on some heavy medicines, some blood thinners. Yes, I did it playing basketball. It was stupid. But I'm not going to miss the British Open because I played soccer. Anyhow, you'll get that later. But the bottom line, you know, I'm laying in bed. I'm laying in bed. And all of a sudden, I feel something warm just go down this left leg. And I told Patty, Patty, I just felt something warm. I never had felt something so immediate in my life. I said, you in there praying? She said, no, I was fixing dinner. I said, somebody just prayed for me. In about five minutes, the phone rang. And it was my friend, Ron Beckton from Nashville, Tennessee. And he said, hey. He called me both and said, hey, Bo, you okay? And I said, you know what, Ron? I said, something just happened to me. He said, your leg just got healed, didn't it? I said, how did you know? He said, I didn't know. But tell me your leg got healed. I said, my leg just got healed. He said, what'd you feel? I said, I felt a warmness flow down it. He said, I want you to stand up. I want you to walk around your room. You're going to be all right. He said, five minutes ago, I was praying in my office and the Holy Ghost said, pray for Rex Johnson. Said he's hurt his left leg. He's hurt in an accident. He's got blood clots. And he said, I pled the blood over your blood clots. And the blood won over the clots. I got up. I walked around. I walked to the doctor the next day. Hallelujah. I walked in his office. He checked my leg. He said, man, they're gone. I said, I know it. You know why? Because a call went up to Jesus Christ and a word was spoken from a man of God and God healed my body. I'm 60, none of your business. Now, 
Never had another blood clot. Feel pretty good down there. Hallelujah. Jesus is a healer. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, I would recommend you either believe God up to the hilt or else not believe at all. Believe this book, every letter of it, or else reject it. There's no logical standing place between the two. Be satisfied with nothing less than a faith that swims in the deeps of divine revelation. Clap your hands and say, I believe that. I receive that in Jesus' name. Everybody say faith, faith. comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. So I close today. We're going to have prayer. I close today. By his first two miracles, Jesus told the whole world, number one, I control the elements. I can take ordinary well water and turn it in to 757 bottles of wine. I can do that right now. And number two, I control all time and space. And even though you don't think I'm here today for your miracle, I am here today for your miracle. I control all time and space. David said, if I make my bed in hell, he's there. If I take the wings of morning, he's there. You can't escape this grace of God. It's going to find you anywhere you are. I got a call. I got a text. We have a lot of members in this church, so I'm not trying to throw somebody under the bus. But I got a text, Pastor, I need to meet you this week. My alcoholism is getting the best of me. I trust that man finds his way into church today because we may not have to meet next week sir if you'll just come to Jesus crawl over every obstacle that's trying to hold you from faith and take him at his word I promise you there's a miracle waiting for you here today so the first miracle water to wine the second miracle the healing of the nobleman's son by the word of the Lord. And the third miracle, immediately after the second miracle closes, Jesus walks to a place called the Pool of Bethesda. And there's a lame man there that's been lame for 38 years. And Jesus walks up to him and says, You want to be whole? You want to get well? Lord, I have no man to put me in the pool. That ain't what I asked. Do you want to get well? He can control the elements. He can control space and time. But he can't make you believe in him. If you're going to see the miracle in your life, You've got to look at him and say, Lord, I try to get in that water every time the water's troubled because healing's in the house here right now for you. Victory's in the house here right now for you. Faith is in the house right now for you. What hour is it? What hour is it? What hour is it? 
the God hour, the seventh hour, the number of completeness. God wants to make you whole today by his great power and by his great grace. I want our prayer partners to come right quickly. Come on right quickly, prayer partners. Get down here as quick as you can. Amen. As quick as you can. Flood the front. Flood the front all the way across. Come on, we need you right now. You see this man right here? You see this man right here? Amen. He's got a brand new liver. Ah. Hey, 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 hey. God's in the miracle working business. Brother Jose, I want you to come down. I want you to come down and be in our prayer group today, Brother Jose. Come on down here right now. God is in the miracle making business here today. Amen. How many of you would say, Pastor, Really, really, I truly believe that Jesus can, but I wonder if he will. A leper said that to him one day, Lord, if you will, I know you can make me whole. Jesus said, I will be thou made whole. And the leper left. I am not, a, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about hype. I'm not about that. I'm just a faith man that believes that God just does it. He just flat out does it. So if you need something in your life, I want you to stand to your feet right now. If you feel like that what happened a while ago was not sufficient, just stand to your feet all over the building. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know if it's easier for us to get to you or you to get to us. But here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We've got a lot of people with a lot of needs here right now. And we've got time to minister to you in Jesus' name. So if you can make your way to the front, if you can get down here to the front, I want you to come on. I want you to come on if you can get down here. But if you see that you're stacked up way in the aisle, just stay where you are in that pew. Because we're going to release some people to those pews in just a moment to come and pray with you. I want you to raise your hands as you come down that aisle right now. Come on, because prayer and praise still works in Jesus' name. And when they lay hands on you, don't make them have to pray forever. Just receive what God has done. Receive what God is doing right now. Receive it in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord right now, receive it. Come on, receive it in Jesus' name. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.